BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Your Ben Jarofsky Show for Friday, April 22nd is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader, chicagoreader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago. Where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what kind of pot smoke, and so much more, including columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky. Ben, tell us about the latest column in the Chicago Reader. Harold Washington. I sat him to the list. The great mayor, Harold Washington, the goat of Chicago politics. And yet he was hated when he was the mayor. And so I take that deep dive. What is it that when certain powerful black people die, they're loved, but they're hated when they're alive? Karen Lewis, Martin Luther King, Muhammad Ali. Harold Washington, let's add him to the list. So, yeah, take that deep dive, D. And if you want to help out this program, you can. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. J-O-R-A. V is in victory. S-K-Y. Oh, wait, hold on. Did you know that Illinois has an average monthly revenue of over $100 million from recreational cannabis sales? As of 2022, Chicago hosts an impressive 44 cannabis dispensaries. The Windy City is the perfect place for the Illinois Cannabis Convention, June 10th through 11th. It's brought to you by NECAN. The convention will be the largest gathering of the existing local medical cannabis industry and those getting into the new adult-use recreational market. The convention will showcase more than 100 companies, brands, and product lines. Will Benny's Bongs be there? You gotta go to find out. (laughs) Trying to get him to bring that. There's also four full programming tracks running each day for medical, business, cultivation, and social justice. Denny's Doobies will be there, by the way. Uh, (laughs) Featuring dozens of expert speakers with practical knowledge and advice for attendees of all levels of experience. All are welcome. Go to NECAN.com slash Illinois, N-E-C-A-N-N dot com slash Illinois for information and to register. All right, let's try this again. It is Friday, April 22nd, and this is the Ben Jarofsky Show's Oh What a Week. And now, yes, oh what a host. (laughs) Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Trusky here. We're calling this Go Johnny Go Friday, and here's why. And the Johnny that sentence, of course, is John Catanzara, the head of the Fraternal Order of Police. Uh, story in the Chicago Sun-Times today said that uh, his union members is, uh, essentially told Johnny, uh-uh, no, negatory. They were like Dikembe Mutombo. He was coming in for the layup. Bam, block that shot. He just wanted like like them to give him the without an election, just extend his uh, term tenure for another couple of years. And they voted no. Interesting little dynamic. Probably get into this a little more. Uh, I've always thought it was very peculiar, as sympathetic as I am uh, to uh, police, a police union. I'm not uh, have nothing against a police union, unlike so many of my uh friends of the lefty persuasion. I just don't understand why the Chicago police union would dedicate itself uh, to a leader who walks around with a Donald Trump t-shirt. 
Um, I mean, he's the, I believe in free expression, the right to wear the t-shirt. Absolutely. But Donald Trump is hated in Chicago, like by a lot of people. That's not really a great way, bridge, way to build a bridge to the rest of Chicago. Uh, so interesting little development there uh, with the police union. Uh, and before I turn it over to, to Dennis, uh, young Dennis has been dutifully working hard all night, pulled an all-nighter late, late, last night, ladies and gentlemen, preparing for this show, or what a week show. Uh, his eyes are heavy. There's big bags under his eyes. He's been drinking coffee. Uh, no-dose tea he's really into, no-dose tea, and a new kind of reefer called no-dose reefer. I'd never heard of it, but apparently this is reefer that, that keeps you up. So he's ready to go. But, D, before I um, turn things to you, I give a shout-out to Michael Girardi, uh, the pride and joy of Mount Greenwood, Beverly area, uh, plays a stinging guitar. Uh, he's known uh, in Chicago as the Neil Young of Chicago, writes many great songs that he plays on our show. Uh, and conversely, Neil Young is proud to say that he, Neil Young, is the Michael Girardi of Canada. Well, Michael um, uh, is taking exception. He sent me a text, uh, an angry text, which could really, you know, he, I mean, just it needed a guitar in the background to really accompany this text. Uh, I'm not quite sure which of my guests this week in particular uh, he heard that set him off. It's, pro- it's one of two. That's my guess of the far lefty persuasion, uh, the, which there are many in this show, because I'm basically of the far lefty persuasion. Uh, Carlos Ramirez Rosa was one, so he was the alderman who was on Tuesday, Democratic Socialist. Uh, and uh, Mike Ukrick uh, from um, uh, Jacobin Magazine was on yesterday. Both of them subscribed to the notion of tax the rich to expand government. And uh, pay for the things that we have to pay for, but we are can't pay for because we cannot bring ourselves somehow or other tax the rich. Uh, so we come up with schemes like casinos. Uh, Michael Girardi takes exception to that. D. I have to read this text because even though I don't agree with it 100 percent, I think it, he raises some very uh, telling points. So, uh, Michael Girardi, just imagine, folks, a stinging, angry guitar in the background. Blah, 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 tax the rich, blah, blah, universal benefits for all, blah, blah, public this, public that, blah, blah. Can you see that? Can you see that? Blah, blah. The name of the song is blah, blah. Here's the guitar solo. (laughs) Give it a rest, lefties. It's over. Nobody cares about taxing the rich because nobody likes taxes. Nobody wants to increase government spending for their own benefit because nobody likes the government. Upper middle class college graduates are the base of center left parties all over the world while the poor and working class are being wooed by far right-wing nationalists. The only hope in the United States is this bottom-up insurgent labor organizing phenomenon. Other than that, tell all your lefty guests to acknowledge that everything they're arguing for is never going to happen. The argument, the rich have plenty and you deserve more, didn't work. The new sentiment lingering in the air is, we demand fill in the blank and the rich deserves less. Give it a whirl, lefties. Then TGIF. Hmm, you think, hold on, not that great with acronyms, but I think that means, thank God, it's Friday. Um, you know what? Girardi's got a lot of truth in there. I mean, their hearts, it's painful. I, because it, I'm it, one of the tax rich guys. And it's Friday. A lot oh, of yeah. facts in there. <laughs> Very astute observation, Michael Girardi. It is Friday. Um, but uh, yeah, Michael, you have a, uh, there's a lot of truth to what you're saying. And I think about it all the time. People hate taxes. That's why fair tax in part. Uh, was voted down. That was a deal that would have raised the taxes on the rich and lowered on everybody else, or at least stabilized on everybody else, and it got overwhelmingly defeated, in particular by voters who would be most benefited by p- pensioners 
uh, who live on the northwest and southwest side. So Michael Girardi make a very compelling point. I think it's time that the, on many, many issues that the left like, rethink uh, it's where it's going and what its appeal is and what its message is. People talk about messaging all the time. And um, yeah, that far right uh, appeal of white nationalism that uh, Michael acknowledged, that's not just in um, the United States, but it's happening in France, all over the world, is in many ways defeating the tax the rich sentiment. Uh, so Michael Girardi makes a very telling point. And thank you, Michael, for listening. Thank you for weighing in. They keep coming up with those guitar riffs. <laughs> Sorry, I just love guitar riffs. And now, without further ado, I'm going to turn things over to the man, myth, the legend, the pride of Joy of Alton, Illinois, for Oh, What a Week. How's it going? What do you say we find out what happened in Chicago and or Illinois this week? We begin in Illinois. And, of course, we begin with our Illinois governor, J.B. Pritzker. And for the record, I'm not a perfect person. <laughs> The governor unveiled a brand new campaign with a brand new catchy slogan this week. And man, is he good at these things. No one comes up with a good state advertising campaign like our governor, J.B. Pritzker. Now, the last couple of years, we saw more darker and less friendlier campaigns thanks to the pandemic. Ones that mainly focused on staying the hell away from other people, never leaving your house and hiding your face in public. So if you ask me, it's very refreshing to see something a little more traditional Introducing J.B. Pritzker's new tourism campaign, (laughs) The Middle of Everything. Okay. Pritzker and other state officials rolled out the $30 million ad campaign Monday, highlighting Illinois' role as a cultural touchstone. Middle Mm. of everything. The campaign will spotlight the state as the center of culture, food, and more to help attract visitors. The ad is directed and voiced by Illinois native actress and comedian Jane Lynch. The ads will air in 20 markets across Illinois and seven nearby states starting this week. I have the ad. Let's hear it. The middle of everything. Illinois is in the middle. And what do you find in the middle? The meeting point of humanity and history. It's the middle of the architectural revolution. In the middle of the rainbow. Welcome to the middle of everything. Like I said, very refreshing. So would that make you want to come to Illinois, D, uh, and spend your vacation dollars? I mean, no, I live here. I would never. No, no, no. You kind of nailed me with that comeback. You live here. Yes. So let's just pretend for a moment that you actually live like, I don't know. Hypothetical. Hypothetical. Hypothetically. Sorry. sorry. You heard that. You live up in Wisconsin. You're rooting for the Bucks over my beloved Bulls. And in the middle of the Bucks-Bulls game, they take a break and there's an advertisement and that comes on. Would that induce you to say, honey, let's go to Illinois? I don't know. I think I would need to hear one more. Illinois is in the middle. And what do you find in the middle? The middle course of the foodie universe. We're in the middle of dinosaurs. Eat us in the middle of the mother road. Welcome to the middle 
of everything. Yeah. You know what? Yeah, I would. I would, oh. Ben. <laughs> there you go. It works. It works. I have a hesitation to say that it works, and I'll tell you why I have a hesitation. Because that drum beat in the background, I find exceedingly attractive. And I work for the assumption that as an aging baby boomer, if I like it, no one else does. But I'm like, I don't know if you noticed it. I couldn't help myself. To, by the way, folks, I brag about my ability to play air guitar. I'm a hell of an air drummer. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Yeah, man, I'm good. good. I'm good at air drums. So uh, <laughs> now here's air sax. Anyway, not that good at air sax. Um, so I'm not really loving it. Uh, I'll be honest with you, D. But I, I'm not the guy. You know, like I've seen, you've seen the John Goodman go to Missouri commercials. Have you seen those? Oh, yeah, yeah. You always get these TV stars who grew up in there and got the hell out as soon as they could. Right. Sort that's what like I was going to say. I bet uh, Jane Lynch doesn't live in Illinois now, though, right? Jane Lynch. Is she from Alton? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think she's from Alton, D. Hold on. I'll look it up. Evergreen Park. She's from Evergreen. You looked it up already? Just looked it up. Yep. God, you're fast. Okay, she's from. I, I stand corrected since I'm actually standing right now, D. Uh, I stand corrected. She's from Evergreen Park. So let's be honest, D. You know, like John Goodman got out of Missouri. He's not hanging around Missouri. Who do they got in Wisconsin? They got some Green Bay Packer doing it in Wisconsin, I think. I can't remember which way. He got out. Everybody I know who ever lived in Cleveland, I know them because they, they got out. So, you know, the Cleveland ones. I forget who did the Cleveland one. Who's, who's Big Feller who had his TV show in Cleveland? Steve Harvey. He's from Cleveland, right? No, no, no. Steve Harvey. He is from Cleveland. He got out. Uh, Steve, Steve Harvey said, see, I wouldn't want to be. Uh, no, who? Oh, boy. Drew, Drew something or Oh, Drew Carey. Thank you. Uh, he did a show about Cleveland, which I'm sure they shot in L.A. He was like, I don't want to hang around Cleveland. The whole point of becoming rich and famous is that you get to get out of Cleveland. So it's interesting they try to use celebrities to bring, who want, have long since left Chicago. And then they come back, they fly into Chicago. I'm getting a deep dish pizza. Oh, wow, man, deep dish pizza. Woo-woo. And then I'm going to go to a Cubs game. Sorry, DM. Well, that's fine. Yeah, like that ad, <laughs> a lot of stuff there, they were kind of describing like Chicago. You know what I mean? Like there is more to Illinois. Like they should be more realistic. Like uh, Illinois is in the middle. And what do you find in the middle? Yeah, just a bunch of gaming and um, <laughs> yeah. Pritzker sucks signs. Those are everywhere. <laughs> yeah, Pritzker sucks signs. We're here to come to Alton and see a wide variety of Pritzker sucks signs. And if you're lucky, some fuck Biden signs. Oh, they may oh, still be yeah. around, too. Oh, including yeah. a few right across the street from a school. Here we go. Some Illinois is in the middle. And what do you find in the middle? <laughs> Someone calling you a pussy for wearing a mask. Yes. <laughs> come to Illinois, wear a mask, and be called a pussy. No, D, come on. You got to admit it's funny, man. All, uh, MAGA, and I'm always trying to understand MAGA and give them love, okay? They say, like, these things taught to these kids are polluting their minds uh, and grooming them and destroying them and indoctrinating them. And then they put a fuck Biden signs right across the street from the school. I'm like, come on, guys. At least yeah. be consistent. Yeah. You know? Anyway, so, uh, yeah, come to Illinois and see a Pritzker suck sign. <laughs> Daddy, who's Pritzker and why does he suck? I'm just saying, a very refreshing ad. But uh, before you go any further. Yes. Your favorite Jane Lynch TV show or movie or role, whatever. Go. 40-year-old virgin. 
absolutely right. <laughs> She's so funny in that movie. Is she not? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I just, I was going to say best in show, which ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't seen best in show run, don't walk. It's so funny, in my humble opinion. She's very funny and best in show, too. In other news, Governor Pritzker signed our brand new budget into law on Tuesday. But, JB, what does the budget you're signing actually bring? The budget that I'm signing today brings real improvements to the lives of working families and sets us up for a stronger fiscal future. Putting people first is what this budget is all about. Sounds good to me. Sounds good to me, too. It is very much an election year budget, uh, ladies and gentlemen. We talked about this last. We all know it's an election year budget. We all know what election year budgets are. As such, it's an election year budget uh, pushed by a Democrat. So the Republicans are saying, this is outrageous. It's an election year budget. It's gimmicks. Which, by the way, D, I'm just telling you this right now. If everything was reversed, the Democrats would be saying that. So an election year budget, you proclaim that the budget is balanced, a miracle of your account, counting fiduciary wizardry. You've balanced the budget. There's no need to raise taxes. In fact, because of your prudent handling of state finances, we'll be able to give money back. That is correct. Back to people. And um, so that's a classic election year budget. And uh, yeah, listen, the Republicans did the same thing, folks. You all know that, right? And when they actually, I'm not even sure, like in those days, Michael Joseph Madigan, like, you know, when Jim Thompson or Edgar would do that, he's kind of more of a play along guy. You know what I'm saying? He'd be take, trying to take credit for it. So that's a different, you know what I mean? They would be like trying to take credit for the election. year. Thanks to uh, our oversight of the executive branch, we, the Democrats in the state legislature, are bringing you a balanced budget that'll get you a tax break. Whereas Republicans don't play that game. It's a gimmick. <sighs> Who's that? So anyway, that's like I'm morphing into just like in general, <laughs> just in general, angry MAGA man. I've been exposed to quite a few of those lately. And by the way, I'm really nervous, D, about this plane ride home, which is coming up. There's not going to be a mask in sight. MAGA guys, come on, pussy. Take that mask off. <laughs> um, sir, I... <laughs> Uh, like wearing my, <laughs> I'm going to be wearing two masks and a raincoat, <laughs> uh, you know, just, I'm going to put the raincoat over my head too. Don't breathe on me. You mentioned it also on Tuesday, the governor lifted the mask requirement for Illinois public transportation. We want to encourage local governments uh, and businesses to take actions that they think will keep their patrons, their local residents safe. Anything we're continuing. We're going to continue to report on how we're doing as a state, uh, very importantly, so that people can take the kind of mitigation measures uh, home and decide for themselves how they want to operate. Very good. I love the word mitigation. That's a COVID word. I don't think anybody ever heard mitigation until COVID came around. Now we all know it. Mitigation. I am going to mitigate you. Mitigation. So, yeah, I, I share everybody's uh, I am just so sick and tired of COVID. Yes, that sentiment. But I, don't, I still like them. I love the mask. D. I'm sick and tired of COVID, but confession time. Love a mask. <laughs> uh, I just put the mask on. I was walking down the street. No need to put it on. Ah, put the mask on. What the hell? See Why not? Like. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I go into a bar. I put my mask on. So I'll be wearing my mask on the airplane, D, but I'm sure the, the pilot. 
the flight attendants, they'll be like, maskless, hey, viva Las Vegas. And finally, Governor Pritzker celebrated the good news on Thursday. Illinois has been upgraded. Yes, another improved bond rating for Illinois. Moody's upgraded the state's rating for general obligation bonds and billed Illinois' sales tax bonds to BAA1 stable outlook. Hey, let's all pretend like we know what that means and celebrate with the governor. Am I right? <laughs> hey, studio audience, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. Remember never? yesterday, Zorn said you're not get out of here. <laughs> Eric Sorn said no studio audience. So no studio audience. How did you guys get here? <laughs> uh, wait, are you done with that news bit? Studio audience is gone. Oh, right. we got one. <laughs> one guy. One guy. That'll work. I don't think Stephanie right. Miller does that. One. Now, this is the second credit rating upgrade from Moody's in less than a year, but it is also the third upgrade from Wall Street in 10 months. Pritzker said this happened after Democrats passed and signed a budget with a $500 million payment toward pension obligations and the first contribution to the state's rainy day fund in 18 years. But, JB, what does a credit upgrade, I mean, what does it really mean? A credit upgrade means Illinois will likely pay a lower interest rate, oh. saving taxpayers hundreds of millions of dollars in the coming years. And why is that again? Because we've eliminated the $17 billion in unpaid bill backlog, and we're paying bills within 15 days of receipt. J.B. Pritzker, everybody. Yeah. Yeah, we're upgraded. That means when we borrow money, we'll have to pay less in interest. And we're just going to be borrowing money like crazy. That's how you do it, folks. Borrow, borrow, borrow. <laughs> bankers make money. The worse our credit it is, the better it is for bankers. And I had a sneaking suspicious back in the router days. I may have said this on the air. I may have written this in a column. Pretty sure I did. That the whole point, Bruce Rauner, not having a budget and driving us further and further in debt was to take care of his banker friends who would be lending the state the money. I'm sorry, your governor has done such a terrible job of overseeing your finances that you're like five gazillion dollars in debt. Hence, your interest rates will rise. Oh, well, bad news for you. Good news for us. I always thought that was the case, D. And uh, so let's give a shout out. To the Democrats, the responsible ones. <laughs> Democrats are like the people that eat vegetables. The Republicans are like, ah, we don't have to eat vegetables. Let's just not have a budget. Yeah, let's not have a budget. And so the state was, that was their gimmick, D. That was Bruce Rauner's gimmick. Three years, Ugh. no budget. <laughs> and he said, all right, for an election year gimmick, I'm going to pass a budget. That's my gimmick. And the Republicans are like, whoa. What an astute overseer of our state finances. Republicans, man, you guys, come on. You got to admit, you got to be a little embarrassed by having supported Bruce Rauner for four. Come on, Jim Dirk and all the rest of you. At least admit that Pritzker is like more responsible than Rauner was. Okay, come on. Just like, you know, just quietly admit that, you know, just quietly admit it. Like among yourselves, when you look around the room and see there are no Democrats there, oh, yeah. I got to admit, the big feller is more responsible than Rauner. What a bum Rauner was. Anyway, like the grown up in the room, <laughs> you know, I think it's good, folks, that we have like a grown up in charge as opposed to like, I don't know, a child. Not saying that Bruce Rauner was a child, Ugh. 
although I am kind of saying it, I'm just saying that his view of the world was very infantile. I can't get what I weigh, my way. I'll shut government down. I'll stop doing budgets. There'll be no money for anything. We'll go further into debt. I'm just saying, folks, it's good to have a grown-up running the show. Now, while most of that was great news, hey, it's time to get serious. We got to get down to business. That's right. 2018 Uh, Illinois Democratic gubernatorial primary candidate Bob Diber. In fact, we have an Illinois primary election only a few months away. It's time for a 2022 Illinois primary election candidate update. This is a 2022 Illinois primary election candidate update. I love that guy's voice. (laughs) Oh, there's the crow. It's an eagle. It is an eagle. Today, we will be looking at our Illinois primary candidates campaign bank accounts. Which candidates have the most cash? We'll talk about it in a little bit. But first, the Illinois citizen with the most cash. Illinois' richest man, Republican philanthropist, and quote-unquote Illinois Republican kingmaker, Kenny G. Ken Griffin. Now, as most of you are aware, Ken Griffin has picked his Republican gubernatorial hopeful. He's the Aurora mayor. He's Richard Irvin. I think we're done. The campaign, of course, is not done. Also, as you're aware, Griffin has pumped millions of dollars in the Richard Irvin Pretty Please Vote For Me campaign. Now, to what we're not aware of, I don't want to make empty promises to to the residents of Illinois without identifying what the issues are. Why? Shout out to Crane's Chicago Business Magazine for so many reasons. Number one, I was able to read an article without the stupid paywall. That was pretty cool. But also shout out to them because they got the scoop. Why Richard Irvin? Out of all people, why Richard Irvin? Well, according to Kenny G, Richard understands the importance of making business people know that he understands the joint prosperity that comes with a successful business community. He also likened Irvin to Richard M. Daly. Griffin said of Daly in that interview, the mayor made clear that he had my back, that I could be comfortable making the investment in infrastructure, in talent, and in building Citadel. Then he says, I know Richard Irvin, and I'm going to have that feeling again. Kenny G said what I've been saying. So we see eye to eye. I've said all along that Richard Irvin is essentially a a Democratic centrist, uh, but who is forced because he's running as a Republican in MAGA world to act like a MAGA man. Uh, And as such, he's got to go everything against everything he stood for. And Richard M. Daley, though a Democrat, the son of a legendary Democrat, that would be Richard J. Daley, was essentially a Mitt Romney Republican. And those two are very similar. Centrist Democrats and Mitt Romney Republicans are essentially the same political creatures. They try their best. I give them credit for this. They don't really like poke at the scabs and wounds uh, in this country's racial past. You know, they try to get along with everybody. But uh, if you're going to run as MAGA man, you have to pack, poke at those scabs. You have to poke at those wounds. You have to break them open. You have to say really provocative things like all lives matter. You go, Ben, how could all lives matter be provocative? Well, because it's being used in the context of another saying, black lives matter. And there's an issue there. Black people being killed by police officers. That's a very contentious, difficult issue, a challenge for our society. A lot is embedded in that. You know, just like racial attitudes, racist attitudes, hatreds, fears, prejudices, lots of fears. 
So like a, a, a real leader would try to bridge these gaps, try to uh, build harmony and peace. Just saying this, I'm just like shaking my head. A real leader would try to do that. And more or less in the tone and the tenor of what he had to say, even if he wasn't practicing it, guys like Richard M. Daly did that. They played that game. Richard M. Daly got into office back in 1989 because of a, a split in the black community, the black electorate here in the city of Chicago, and solid unity among everybody uh, who was of the white persuasion in Chicago, pretty much with the exception of a few marginalized hippies, yourself included, myself included, I should say. So, uh, and as such, he was loved, beloved by corporate Chicago. Kenny G, Kenny G's offices is in a building that got TIF funding. You know, I don't know if they're still there, but they they used to be housed in some building downtown Chicago at TIFF funding. Daly was pumping money into the downtown business community. Downtown. They love them. You know, uh, Michael Girardi, I didn't hear about them complaining about government when they were taking that money. (laughs) But that's the reality. So, yes, Richard Irvin is more or less a centrist Democrat. But what he's done is discarded that his past he's like everything he is i presume he is he's ripped up and he's reading from a script that kenny g's script writers have written for him so apparently kenny g doesn't even believe in the script kenny g is basically saying that he too is a daily or mitt romney type but they're going all out mega you know on issues like criminal justice reform and how do we deal with that? All these contentious issues that we're struggling to deal with without having like war, political war, metaphor. And so, yeah, it's glad to know, uh, Dennis, that Kenny G basically agrees with everything I've been saying about his candidate and about himself. But that's pretty cynical, young Kenneth. I just think it's pretty cynical to embrace an ideology that you don't believe in, supposedly, an ideology based on hate and white supremacism, et cetera, and so forth, and white fears. Embrace that, promote that uh, in order to get elected. I don't know. It's very cynical. Very cynical. Uh, and I uh, just, my role, I think, D is just to continually, constantly point that out. All right. Now let's find out which campaigns are living the life of political luxury. Let's see how much money our Illinois primary election campaigns have made in the election thus far. A lot to unpack here, all right? First up, billionaire Democratic first-term Governor J.B. Pritzker and Republican challenger Richard Irvin so far have each spent about $10 million on ads in the first three months of the year, setting the stage for a costly air war leading up to the June 28th primary nominations. Did you say that Richard Irvin and J.B. Pritzker have spent that money? Or Richard, who else besides Richard Irvin spent that money? J.B. Pritzker and Republican challenger Richard Irvin each yeah. spent $10, 10 million, million each. Yes. Wow. Now, why? I'm thinking this out. I know why Richard Irvin's spending the money. 
because he has to win everything I just got finished saying. He's got to win the Republican uh, primary to be the nominee. And as such, he has to completely change who he is uh, so he can win over MAGA voters by suddenly making himself the second coming of Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis. So I understand why he's having to do it. I guess J.B. Pritzker, I mean, J.B. Pritzker does have an opponent, but it's very, um, I don't even know if she's uh, made the ballot yet. She may have been challenged. So he, he's got pretty much of a smooth sail, smooth ride, to quote your favorite uh, rock song, uh, to become the Democratic nominee. Uh, and um, so I guess he's just airing those commercials, uh, D, just to let everybody know, I'm here. Don't believe what they're saying about me. You know, because they're pounding him. J.B. Pritzker. Why don't they come out and just do a commercial? J.B. Pritzker sucks. Oh, give you it know? time. Give it time. We're just <laughs> getting started. Come. Do you think they'll come out with one that says, fuck Biden? Oh, no. yeah, man. That'll be out there. Oh, yeah. Financial disclosure records filed late Monday by candidates for the Democratic and Republican primary showed Irvin spent $9.5 million in advertising through March, almost half of the $20 million that billionaire Ken Griffin gave to the Aurora Mayor's campaign in February. In addition to the $20 million from Griffin, Irvin raised $2.8 million and spent nearly $12 million since he announced his candidacy on January 17th through the end of March. Well, to quote uh, Mike Flannery, the campaign's not over. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, I just had to do a Flannery imitation. Yeah, that's his advantage in this race, ladies and gentlemen. His advantage is he's got money. And in particular, he's got Kenny G's money. And there's more money to come because Ken Griffin has made it clear uh, that he'll spend what it takes to defeat J.B. Pritzker. He really cannot stand J.B. Pritzker. Uh, we'll probably uh, take a deep dive in that uh, down the road. Why he cannot stand J.B. Pritzker so much. Uh, maybe thinks that Pritzker's a traitor to his class, whatever. Uh, J.B. Pritzker is very wealthy. I think he's worth $3.5 billion, But uh, J.B. Uh, Kenny G. is worth $25 billion, I want to say. $25 billion? Just pause to think about that. That's a lot of money. And that's not even, by the way, D., that's not even uh, like that's jump change compared to Bezos and uh, Elon Musk. Elon Musk just yesterday bragged, folks. I know I'm been talking a lot about him lately because I find his his efforts to take over Twitter fascinating. So many levels. I think he bragged that he raised forty six billion uh, to buy Twitter. Forty six billion. A lot of that is like a loan. People, th- D, this is the world that exists outside of our world. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like very far outside of our world. Banks, lending institutions are lending money. Billions of dollars they're making available to uh, Elon Musk to buy Twitter. I'm like, what do you guys think you're going to get out of this? You know, I'm just trying to figure out what they think they're going to get out of it. You know what I'm just saying? I know what they get when they lend money to the state of Illinois, the taxpayers, <laughs> through our taxes that we pay, pay back that interest. So it's so funny. We began the show with Michael Trabardi correctly pointing out, astutely pointing out that people don't like paying taxes. And when re- I'm with them. I don't like paying taxes any more than anybody else does. What really grinds my gears, to quote an old friend of ours, is when I pay taxes to go to interest payments to banks. So they get fa- fabulously wealthy. I'm trying to think, D, what do banks get out of lending Elon Musk money? I can't, I don't see Twitter as a profitable venture for Elon Musk. 
So I'm just like, wow, isn't that amazing? Like there's homeless people where I am day everywhere in Southern California. There's a lot of homelessness and there's that. And then there's a bank like that says, hair, Elon Musk, I'll give you like 23, a billion. It's like, I, I don't get the world D the older I get, the harder it is to understand and comprehend. And I look to you for wisdom and knowledge and help. And no offense, you're not much help. <laughs> well, you don't get it and you never will because this is the life of luxury as a political candidate. All right. You can't relate. Let's move on. Our next candidate, Ben's boy. Let's be honest. He tells me all the time off the air. Boy, I like that Jesse Sullivan. <laughs> Jesse. Oh, my God. Jesse Sullivan is next. We're going to look at his campaign cash. Let's go over to the ATM and figure out how much this guy's made. Hold on. Put the card in. All right. Put it in there. All right. Get the cash out. Okay. Oh, oh, wait. All right. Here we go. Jesse Sullivan has spent $1.5 million on ads. Among $2.4 million his campaign spent in the first quarter of the year. Sullivan started the year with $9.1 million and raised another $1.3 million, with $1 million coming from his fellow Stanford graduate, Kevin Tawil, head of the insurance and warranty firm Asurion LLC. Sullivan had $8 million at the start of April. Sullivan has since received another $97,500 in donations of $1,000 or more. (laughs) Yeah, Jesse Sullivan, man. He's just, damn it. Damn you, Richard Irvin. Because he absolutely thought that he would be like the moderate type uh, that would get the Kenny G endorsement, the Kenny G blessing, the Kenny G kiss, but it went to Richard Irvin instead. And every day, Jesse Sullivan gets up and goes, damn you, Richard Irvin. Damn you. I'm kind of doing Alex Jones. When I do that, there's a bit you do. Damn you, China. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Yeah. Jesse Sullivan. D I saw this. Uh, I got the, I get Jesse Sullivan's, uh, press releases. Thank you, Jesse Sullivan for including me. Not, uh, locking me out. Locked out. Can't get no. Uh, so I'm not locked up. Oh, that's locked up. Excuse me. Uh, but anyway, uh, I'm not locked out. I get those uh, emails. And today I saw one. Uh, he So in order to convince MAGA that he hates uh, any effort uh, to promote racial understanding and healing, uh, calling it brainwashing, et cetera, and so forth, whatever, uh, critical race theory, you know, uh, Take like beaming the minds of children with messages that will hurt their self-esteem. That's the Republican view in this. He's denouncing my beloved hometown of Evanston. Yeah. And Evanston has been struggling for as long as I can remember uh, with integration. There's uh, always been a population, a section of Evanston where black people live. When I moved, it was very segregated. Uh, It would be the far Northwest corner of Evanston. And some of the barriers have broken down over the years, but still Evanston's a largely segregated town in terms of where the black people live and where the white people live. And so Evanston's always struggle with that. And it's just like, it's been a challenge to put it mildly. I could do a whole show on that. So as a result, they have all these efforts to try to build like brotherhood messages into the curriculum so that all the kids feel equal and protected and safe and you know, dealing with just all the differences that exist in their minds, black kids and white kids. It's an ongoing struggle. 
So Jesse Sullivan, I'll tell you what I think of that. F that, mega. He saw a press release ripping Evanston, saying they're brainwashing the kids. Critical race theory. I'm like, oh, my poor beloved hometown of Evanston, struggling, trying to do the right thing. Kumbaya, I'm alone. So Jesse Sullivan, you have to go all. See, Jesse wouldn't be doing all MAGA if he had the Kenny G money. You know what I mean? He'd have the Kenny G money. He would be the man who's above the fray, the unifier. But he's got to go 100% MAGA because he doesn't have the Kenny G money. Feel sorry for Jesse Sullivan. Jesse Sullivan, by the way, just so everybody knows, is the guy who made his fortune in California, but he's running as a heartland man. Because God forbid you're from California. Oh, my God. In Magalandy? I mean, that, that's the kiss of death. Can't, can't vote for you because you're from California. Technically, Jesse Sullivan grew up in Illinois, ladies and gentlemen. But he went to California, made a fortune in California. And instead of running for politics in California, which I don't know, D, would have made sense, right? That's where you made your money. That's where you have your, all your contacts and stuff. Came back to the heartland. I mean, there's something we don't understand because, Ben, we're not living that lifestyle as a rich and elegant politician. Yes. All right. Moving on. Now to the downstate farmer, <laughs> Republican <laughs> Senator Darren Bailey. Let's find out how much campaign cash he has made. ATM. All right. Put that in. All right. Oh, look at all that money come in. Holy cow. All right. Downstate farmer Republican Senator Darren Bailey had $707,273 to start the year and raised another $1.2 million with $1 million coming from conservative mega donor Richard Uline. The head of the Uline office supply business of the $1 million Bailey spent $400,000 was attributed to advertising. He reporting, he reported having more than $900,000 in cash to start April. Also vowing to repeal key abortion rights this week uh, in Illinois solely by communicating the ideals of quote hope. Darren Bailey on Thursday touted the endorsements of three leading anti-abortion groups further solidifying his conservative support in a heated primary race. Well, I'm not surprised that you like gave uh, the money to Bailey. And I, uh, I, at least he's consistent, you know, uh, Richard Uline is a far right conservative. So he has been a supporter of far right conservatism in the state of Illinois for as long as I can remember. So if he were suddenly giving money to the centrist posing as a MAGA man, uh, that is uh, Richard Irvin, or the California guy posing as a Heartland man, that is Jesse Sullivan. I would say, well, come on, you line. That's really cynical. I mean, come on. So at least there's, I give him credit for ideological consistency. How about that, D? I'm saying something nice about, you know, I'm, we bend over backwards to be fair here to Ben Jarofsky's show. Mag is not fair, but we're fair. Uh, and so, I, yes, I, I think it's uh, understandable that he would give the money um, to uh, DB, Darren Bailey. I'm a little uncertain of what DB is getting at uh, when he talks about uh, the abortion issue with hope. I've not seen that. 
Uh, I find this this one is really uh, an interesting uh, dilemma uh, that Republicans are facing. Republicans, follow me on this, folks, uh, where they are at now with MAGA world are opposed to abortion pretty much in any instance, including rape or incest. So, hmm. Uh, they feel very strongly about this. Uh, they're also, they feel that they could t- we should take it to the next level and punish people for uh, getting abortions. So doctors, you can punish doctors. This is where they stumble. Should they punish the woman who gets the abortion? Now, if you believe, as the Republicans do, that abortion is murder, then they, you should punish the woman. But here's where they're... They're not that ideological pure. Here's where MAGA sells itself out. They realize from their focus group sessions that that would be an unpopular opinion to have, like in swing districts. So this is their great compromise. They won't punish the woman. They'll punish the doctor or the person who drives uh, the woman to the clinic. That person will get punished or the person who accompanies the woman to the clinic. That person will get punished. I'm like, guys, it's not consistent. I mean, if you view this as murder, I'm just saying. So that's the position they're taking. Now, DB knows he can't win statewide. Hardcore MAGA opponent to abortion. So I guess D, he just throws the word hope in there <laughs> and hopes that it just confuses people. Hope. So a swing voter like in Elmhurst will go, oh, sounds good to me. He's against abortion in every instance, but he said the word hope. Oh, I could vote for him. Lower my taxes. That's <laughs> what you would call a predicament. And look for uh, uh, our dear friend, Terrence. Yes, I see you. Uh, Terry will be hammering personal pack zone. TC will be hammering that one day. You can be rest assured uh, once the general election rolls around. Well, put your big boy pants in the laundry, I guess. <laughs> Make sure you have them on when he comes on the program. We forgot the Bailey tweet. We got to do the Bailey tweet. I guess this is a, a special version of uh, hail to the tweet because Bailey on Twitter this week, we learned something about Darren Bailey. Well, we always thought he was a hog farmer. No, he does not farm hogs, but he does ride hogs. On Twitter, he puts nothing beats riding around Illinois and fighting for the future of our home with my beautiful wife, Cindy. We are fighting for your freedoms, tax relief, safer communities, and a more robust economy that provides good-paying, family-supporting jobs. Hashtag T-Will. And below it, oh, Bailey's decked out in his motorcycle gear. With his lady by his side. Yeah, so I saw Dennis. That was one of the first things I saw this morning when I woke up bright and early, ladies and gentlemen, at the crack of 8 o'clock. And uh, Dennis had uh, sent me a, uh, <laughs> it was hilarious, a picture of Rounder, uh, excuse me, DB, and like, le- they all wear leather, dude. They're all wearing leather now. Uh, and uh, with his uh, motorcycle, etc. And I like that little tweet there. Freedom. Yes, he believes in freedom. Unless... You're a woman uh, who wants free control over her body. Then no freedom for you. Okay. Freedom for me, but not for you. All right. (laughs) Moving on. Our next candidate, it's the ping pong wizard and parking lot paving prodigy, Gary Rabine. Let's go to the ATM. All right. Put the (laughs) password here. Oh, there we go. Oh, okay. Oh, 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 not bad. (laughs) 
Not bad, Mr. Raybon. <laughs> right, like in the ATM, but it's coming around. All right, good. Uh, well, first off, bad news. Raybine misreported the first quarter financial results, <laughs> understating his available campaign cash by more than half a million dollars. Wow. Well, you know, it's not easy, all right? <laughs> Raybine reported it's it's no parking lot. Raybine reported he began the year with no campaign funds, even though a previous report his campaign <laughs> filed showed he finished 2021 with five hundred twenty five thousand dollars on hand. Uh, Raybine's report for the first three months of 2022 showed him raising nearly one point two million dollars with one million dollars as a personal loan. He spent three hundred fourteen thousand nine hundred sixty eight dollars during that same period, including paying his lieutenant governor running mate candidate Aaron Del Mar $3,320 in February for political consulting. Well, this is interesting. Gary Rabine uh, is promoting himself as a wizard of finances, a brilliant businessman. Uh, and uh, so he's going to run the state like a business. A little nervous if this is any indication of how that business is going to be run. <laughs> Oh, Lord, what a state. You know, that, by the way, is a very traditional Republican um, theme uh, to push uh, in uh, election season. I am the businessman or the businesswoman, and I understand how businesses work, and I'm going to run this state like it's a business. Not quite sure that would uh, satisfy anybody. Uh, businesses reserve the right just to, like, close whole sections down and fire people uh, at a drop of a hat. Uh, in the case, in order to produce uh, what efficiencies they call them, efficiencies just mean more money for the businessman running the company. So I'm not quite sure that's like the model we should use. You know, D, I'm just going to close down the schools. We kind of experimented with that with router didn't work too well, but it never fails. D, everybody, I'm going to run the state as a business, but of course, that's not enough with MAGA. Uh, and uh, am I going to steal your thunder with this one, D? Should I just no, like no, go Gary Raybine thunder? No. Uh, in addition to sending me a picture this morning, uh, texting me a picture of uh, DB and his wife in their leather and their motorcycles, uh, Dennis sent me a picture of Gary Raybine posing with Donald John Trump just to assure MAGA that he's a Trump man. <laughs> Whoa, this is so deep, man. And remember, at the he stumbled at the start of the race, D, like they were asking him questions about Trump and uh, whether Trump really won the election. I don't know. I am, that's complicated stuff. I'm just a guy, an ordinary guy. Wait a minute. I thought you were the business fiduciary wizard who's going to save the state by running it as a business. You don't even know if Donald Trump got more votes than Joe Biden. That's too complicated for you. Anyway. It is tough, D, for even Republicans in this day and age of Trump, trying to figure out a message, trying to figure out a position where they're at. No one knows where to go because once you get statewide and when the Flannery's in the world ask you those hardball questions like, do you think Biden won or do you think Trump won? Got to get out of that one. I think we're done. The campaign, of course, is not done. <laughs> Flannery. I love that bit. On to the next candidate. Let's check out their campaign cash. Paul Schimpf of Waterloo. Get the code here. All right, Mr. Schimpf, let's see what you're doing here. Oh, okay. Oh, 
All right. Paul Schimpf of Waterloo, a former Republican state senator running for governor, listed $28,351 in cash on hand after raising $78,881 and spending $131,000. He has since received another $1,000 in donations. Uh, among other candidates who filed for the GOP governor's nomination, Max Solomon of Hazelcrest had $1,000. $996 to start April, while Keisha Smith of Country Club Hills reported no money and Emily Johnson of Wheaton was not listed as filing a report. So those are all the hopefuls. Now step aside. We're going to show you how to really do it. <laughs> Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker put $90 million into his campaign fund on January 14th. <laughs> That was cute, guys. That was cute, all that stuff you did there. And spent more than $10.6 million on advertising out of a total first quarter spending of $17.1 million. Pritzker's other spending included donations to Democratic organizations and candidates across the state, including $50,000 to the Cook County Democratic Organization and $50,000 to Attorney General Kwame Raoul. He also gave $57,000 to Chakina Perry, who Pritzker appointed to the Metropolitan Water Reclamation Board in January. Gave another $100,000 to the abortion rights advocacy group Personal Pack TC. What up? Yeah, TC, uh, TC, um, no wonder you love JB Pritzker so much. I see that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> remember, remember those debates? That's, that's where the big boy pants came from. Terry Cosgrove imploring mm-hmm. me to put on my big boy pants and vote for J.B. Pritzker in the primary in 2018. You were right. You were right, TC. Stop gloating, okay? Yeah, Pritzker's got a lot of money, D, but if he doesn't, you know, like, I don't know, 90 million doesn't get you in it. I'm sure he's got more than 90 million. Let's go to the ATM and see exactly. All right, put that in. Right. Okay, okay, all right. Oh, okay, oh, it's still going. Oh, my God, it won't stop all the money coming out of the atm <laughs> the atm just topples exhausted <laughs> oh, i'm tired all right well i guess we'll just keep talking while that keeps going uh on to the secretary of state race alexi Janulius had more than 4.4 million dollars in cash on hand six hundred seven thousand dollars in the first quarter of the year while spending two hundred thirty thousand dollars he started the year with more than four million dollars in his campaign fund rival anna valencia the chicago city clerk began the year with nearly nine hundred thousand dollars and raised four hundred sixty three thousand five hundred forty dollars in the first quarter she spent nearly two hundred thirty thousand dollars and had more than 1.1 million dollars in cash on hand to start April. And we're not leaving him out. The third contender, Chicago Alderman David Moore. He raised $39,500 and spent more than $9,200 in the first quarter and had $38,663 in cash on hand for the start of April. Another filed candidate, Sidney Moore of Homewood, had no report on file with the State Board of Elections. Mm. Yes, Alexi Janulius is the money man in that race and uh, the favorite to win by most people in the know. Uh, Delmarie Cobb would be an exception to that, dear friend of the show, who says, look out for her candidate in the race, David Moore, Alderman David Moore of the 17th Ward. And there you are. The elegant lifestyle of these rich politicians and how much money their campaigns are making. You think there should be a limit on uh, campaign financing, right? Absolutely. This is utter insanity. 
absolutely crazy. Everything is crazy uh, in the world today. Absolutely, everything is crazy in the world today. And this is just one subset of the overall insanity. But so much money, there should be limits. There should be public financing, you know. And uh, you know what? I'll just say this. In the world of sports, they have all kinds of rules uh, to govern a more or less fair playing field. Most of these rules, by the way, uh, uh, impact cap, to use their word, the amount of money the performers, the athletes get. But the whole point is to have like a balanced playing field so that, let's say, a small market city like Milwaukee, boo, uh, does not have a disadvantage when playing uh, a wealthy uh, city or a bigger market city like Chicago. Yay! So if we do that in sports, which is run by capitalists, free market types, <laughs> why don't we do that in politics? And I'll tell you why, ladies and gentlemen, before we shift gears. Because those same free market capitalists who say we need an even playing field when it comes to competition, are only protecting their interests when they say that. They're protecting the amount of money they have to pay their players, and they're more or less making it an uh, even playing field so they are not at a huge disadvantage when they go up against a really rich guy who'll pay anything to win. But when it comes to politics, those same free market capitalists are like, I'm going to protect my interests by spending all my money on... <laughs> Candidate Billy Bob, who will do whatever I want once in office. So, D, there's no consistency of philosophy. Yeah. That's one thing you'll learn if you listen to the Ben Jarofsky show. There's absolutely no consistency of philosophy. It's just whatever it takes to win. And somehow. That's what I'm going to do. And somehow they still convince regular people who work really hard for their money to give their hard-earned money to these people who have millions of dollars already. I've never well, understood that. Like, That's Donald Trump's genius. I mean, in particular, let's just give a shout-out to the master, the maestro, the greatest grifter in the history of, of, of uh, U.S. politics, in my humble opinion, D. That guy is brilliant at getting people who don't have enough money to give him more money. And, and, not, and he does it. He, I mean, he had a whole career of it. He would get banks to give him money. For his like real estate schemes that were like on shaky ground, to put it mildly. So yeah, it's it's an art. D. Some people are better at it than others, and I think we'll all agree that Donald Trump is the master of getting people to throw away money on him that they can't afford to throw away. All right, we have one story out of the city of Chicago. John Cat and Zara, what are you up to now, sir? The following comes from the Chicago Sun Times and Fran Spielman, fiery. That's how they describe him. Fiery fraternal order of police president John Catanzara will be forced to stand for re-election as union president next year in the middle of a mayoral campaign he has threatened to enter. FOP membership made certain of it Wednesday night by overwhelmingly rejecting Catanzara's proposal to extend his term as president from three years to five and eliminate a spot reserved for the past president on the FOP's board of directors. Yes. By the way, I thought that was an interesting choice of words that uh, France Bale sometimes used. Threatened to answer to enter. John Catanzara has threatened. It's like that's a word I would use. <laughs> I'm like, like, wow. 
you know, presumably a lot of people in the city of Chicago. I think that if Johnny C gets in the race as the Maggiest MAGA man in the city of Chicago, and it's there's a lot of people in the race, he has a path to making the runoff. I do believe that. Uh, he's the maggiest man in the city of Chicago. What did Donald Trump get in the last election in Chicago? I think he got 15% of the vote. Don't quote me on that, folks. It's an estimation. Oh, for the old days of live, the live feed when Frank would correct me. Uh, but let's say it's 15%, okay? Or maybe 12 to 15%. D, 15% would probably get you in a runoff. 15% got Tony Preckwinkle and Lori Lightfoot in a runoff last time. So Johnny C has a path to victory. Uh, excuse me, path to making the runoff. He has no path to victory. Once he's in the race, you know, that, that's he's the greatest gift Lori Lightfoot ever got if she's the other candidate. So it's just a curious choice of word, threatening to, to make the race. I don't know. Who is he threatening, you know? Uh, listen, guys, I started the show uh, by saying this. And I'm going to end the show by saying this. Uh, as the one supporter of the rights of police officers to have a union among the left, that is, uh, as a big believer in police uh, officers getting pensions and um, in a perfect world as a big believer in police officers really having a very important role playing in just healing some of these racial divides that we're talking about uh, earlier in the show in a perfect world. I do not understand why the Fraternal Order Police, why the police officers elected a man who walks around wearing a Trump T-shirt in a town where Trump is despised. I began the show saying that. I'm going to end the show saying that. So I see, think this is a good sign. I'm always looking for good signs, D. Anything, anything that could even just like be a glimmer of hope, I will latch on to. So I think it's a good sign that they're like having second thoughts about having the Magius MAGA man in the city of Chicago as their leader in a town that hates Trump. <laughs> so good. I felt like, oh, this is a hopeful sign, D. Now you watch. There'll be some twist in it tomorrow. It'll be more gloom and doom. I see a sun. It's sunny skies, but there's rain to come. So um, I was happy to see that story. A uh, little sanity coming uh, from police officers in the city of Chicago. So here you are. That's this week's show. Oh, thank you very much. One studio audience <laughs> member. Uh, yeah, we have the one, stu it's one studio. We, we're, uh, we, we still have the one guy that comes in, eats a lot of popcorn, and he really enjoys himself. All right. Uh, I want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of Alton, Alton, Illinois. Without whom this show would be possible. And boy, he did a great job today. Again, folks, you can see he was up all night assembling uh, they all can't those see clips. Anything. And uh, getting that ATM machine. Huh. Where else? What other podcasts do you get to hear an ATM machine? Uh, and as uh, John Catanzaro, Eric Zorn, Fran Spielman, and the DeMarvelous, DeMar DeRozan will tell you, back home in Alton, they call him Dr. D. And yes, the D stands for DeMarvelous. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Have a great weekend, everybody. Everybody.